Hey everyone, David here. I want to tell you about my music podcast, On Rotation. It's engaging, interactive, and insightful. Music mm-hmm. entwines with everything. It's something that always rings true to me. So when I need something to kind of root me, I can always go back to music in a sense, you know? Yeah. Join me each episode as we rotate through a number of topics and hear why it's the podcast that's always on replay and never on repeat. Listen to On Rotation wherever you get your podcasts. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. When you're listening to music, the artist has an intent when they're writing it. But when you're like interpreting it as a listener, you kind of assign your own interpretation and it can be just as valuable, even though it's completely different. Being able to express myself in a way that I thought I never could and kind of was uncomfortable doing by myself is something that will eventually lead to discovering more about myself. That's why I love music, man. It's something that lasts forever and it's never long enough, whether you're playing it or listening to it. Hey everybody, what's up? What's happening? You're listening to On Rotation, the podcast that's always on replay and never on repeat. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is David. I'll be your host and lovely guide. You know, they say music runs in the family, but there's a lot more than just music that the Hearst Brothers are capable of. Brothers John and Mark, along with bandmate Adam, do music, podcasts, and concerts for the blind, which actually benefit the third Hearst brother, Jake. However, John and I came together to talk about the band's latest venture, their debut EP. So you're John with Hearst Brothers, and I feel like just kind of knowing everything that's going on for you guys, Hearst Brothers sounds more like a brand to me, because it's like, And we're going to get into all these different things, all these different projects that you have. You guys, as the three brothers, have a podcast, use some other like philanthropic type ventures, and you also are putting out music, which is the main reason we're together here. So, John, thanks again for hopping on and doing this. What can you tell me about, I guess, first, this upcoming EP you have with your group, the Hearst Brothers? Well, firstly, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. As always, it's very nice to meet you virtually. So Hearst Brothers, yeah, we are kind of a a brand in some senses or working on it at least. More of a like, you know, one of our slogans for our videos is the Hearst Brothers and then it's podcast music lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of into that whole scene. But what we're talking about today is music. So yeah, we have our first EP coming out February 1st, 2022. We're super excited about it because it's very different than what other people have been putting out. And it's very different for us. If you search us up on Spotify today, we've got, I think three or four singles, but it was really, those were just kind of learning curves for us, Mm -hmm. learning how to mix, master, produce, record, all of that stuff Mm in-house. But those were very like kind of rock style songs. Whereas then this new EP that's coming out is much more authentic to the type of music that we not only like to listen to, but also like to produce and record and play live. So it's very funky with a little bit of hip-hop with a little bit of like live feel 
it's very hard to explain and to put into a bucket. <laughs> right, right, right. It's funny because you sent me a couple links before. So I listened to some of the tracks on the EP. And yep. I think the main one or the lead single that you have right now is called Nah. And yep. the first time I listened to that, I go, my God, they sound like the Beastie Boys to me. Would you say that's <laughs> like a what, a what a fair comparison would be? That's super cool. I have not heard that one yet. <laughs> no, I like it, though. I like it. Yeah, yeah. In some senses, yeah, for sure. Like you've got a lot of your traditional rock elements and we kept that because we want to be able to play our music live. We love playing like live shows and performances. And so something that's fairly simple to play with just guitar, bass, drums, maybe a keyboard player and then vocals. But then, yeah, you've got your like more, that's a big influence for me is like your 90s style hip hop rap. So mm-hmm. yeah, cool. I can see the linkage. <laughs> I haven't yet heard that, but I, I can see where you're coming from. Right. What about you and your other brothers? Like they're not here on the show with us today, but you have the two right. other brothers that are part of the group. Are you, all of you kind of in the same wheelhouse when it comes to musical influences? Yeah. So I'll correct you a little bit there. So my one brother, Mark, is it's basically Mark and I. We do have a third brother, Jake. He is not musically inclined and not necessarily part of the band or the podcast. Okay. But one of our good friends, Adam, is our drummer. So it's, it is Hearst Brothers because a lot of it kind of comes from myself and then my brother, Mark, and then our best friend, Adam, is, is the third man. But we've started doing the whole music because of our third brother, Jake. So he is kind of included. He's part of the family. He's a Hearst brother. But yeah, musically, like we're all on the same page in the sense that we like the same music and we all get pretty excited about what we're doing. We, like Mark and I have said before, we've never had disputes over how a song's going to go or what we want to put on an EP or not, or how we want to do things. But yeah, we're all, we're all on the same wagon. That's for sure. And you mentioned this before we started recording too, that it's been kind of tough for you to get back into the swing of things, specifically with putting out music because your brother Mark has been super busy with his job. And I'm just curious, because like I said, you have the podcast, you have music that you're putting out. You also do this or have been doing this concert, I assume, for a while called the Hearst Brothers Concert. How do you like find the time to balance all of this stuff? Because it, it sounds like a full time gig, you know? hundred percent. Yeah, that's <laughs> like that's this great question. And, and I wish it was a full time gig in the sense that I wish we got paid to do this because it would make things a little bit easier. But I've got a full time job. Mark's a doctor. He works in a hospital. So we are very, very busy. We try to set aside time like when we when I know Mark's off for a weekend and I'm off on weekends we'll you know crush two or three episodes of a podcast out in a day we'll you know I'm kind of the driving force behind a lot of the the music mm-hmm. so evening times for me is a lot of recording mixing mastering going back and forth with Mark getting him to record bass whenever he's free and it's a lot I mean the digital world has made things a lot easier because we don't yep. have to be together We've done a lot of our podcast episodes virtually too, where Mark's in Ireland or he's in the States now and and I'm here just outside of Toronto. And so we can do it digitally, but honestly, that's the hardest part of everything is just like staying committed to what you're doing and being able to make a schedule out of it and not fall behind. And we've, like I mentioned earlier, we've fallen a little bit behind on our podcast and it's unfortunate, but it just, we can't also take it too seriously because it's mainly just for fun. So you know, if we have to take a month off, we take a month off. Yeah, it's like, 
I, I totally relate to that same concept where you wish all of these things that you're doing that you're really passionate about would pay the bills, but that's not always the case. So it's hard. It's hard to stick with stuff, especially when life happens, you know, like you yeah. said, Mark getting a, a busy job or you being in different locations. It's it's time consuming for sure. Even just thinking about putting something together. Totally, totally. And and I mean, music takes a long time too. the first three or four songs that we did was me really learning how to do it and so that took some time but it was very much like yeah okay this is done we'll we'll put it out there great Mm -hmm. and then reflecting a little bit on that and stepping back from it and being like there's a lot that I would change with those earlier songs that we did the quality's not there it sounded very amateur Mm -hmm. and so then it was back to the drawing board for me how do I learn how to do these things properly how do I you know what type of gear do I need to get to make sure that I I have the potential to make the highest quality sounding music as possible. So we've taken our time with this EP. Like it's been a year. We mm-hmm. started recording these songs a year ago and it's, it's only four songs, but it, it legitimately took us eight or nine months to feel like we're proud of it and we're happy to put it out. Mm-hmm. And the other songs based on the links that you sent me too, like I mentioned, we have Nah. There's this other song called Lakeside. There's Fresh and there's Take the Dive. For yep. me, when I first saw this track list, I was like, is there some kind of water complex you guys are playing with here? <laughs> so I was like, I'm thinking, you know, you're by the lake, it's fresh water, fresh air, you're taking a dive, you know, I was, it, it feels like there's a theme going on here. Would you say that? A hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. And if you look like our band logo is a, a guitar neck and mm-hmm. an anchor bottom. Okay. And so our whole thing is, is very water themed or ocean themed, you could say purely because we grew up going to a cottage by lake like we grew up water skiing and boating and surfing and anything around the water just really really resonates with us so it was kind of natural if we're like well let's pick like what kind of a theme do we want to have it was like oh it's got to be nautical that's everything that that we believe in and that we love so yeah great great call Yeah, I love that. Was there anything else from your childhood, like growing up with your brothers that kind of you see reflected in your music? Like I would ask specifically anything with your parents, like were they really big into music? Great question. Yeah. So our parents are not musically inclined, but from a very young age, both Mark and I were in piano lessons. Mm-hmm. So it was just one of those things that I think my mom, when she was a child, she took piano lessons. She never stuck with it or did anything with it, but she just always thought, no, no, piano is really good. And it was great. And so we learned piano at a young age. We took piano lessons and then I branched into guitar and later on Mark got into bass and they're very, very supportive now. Mm-hmm. So when we, we go up to our cottage regularly in the summer and we have a huge group friend group that comes with us and the, we put on a concert every single time. And so, and my parents love it. They're like, when, when are you playing music? When's the concert coming? (laughs) So yeah, we have very supporting parents for, for live music, for sure. Albeit like the style of music that we're putting out right now is not necessarily my parents' favorite style. They're more of like your kind of country, Western classic rock type people, but they're super, super supportive with anything musically that we do. They, they just absolutely love it. So, Mm -hmm. well, that's funny. You mentioned that kind of country Western style. Cause I think from listening to some of your earlier tracks that you put out last year in 2020, they had a little bit more of that type of style. And like you said, now you're transitioning to more of like a hip hop, classic rock, like alternative vibe. Yeah. That, and that was just, I don't want to say it was easier, but it was almost like, your first few times writing a songs, you just kind of lean off of 
what you know and what you're a little bit more familiar with. So it was almost a comfort zone thing for us or for me in, in that sense of writing those songs. And then with the new stuff, it was more of like, okay, now, now we know what we're doing. So let's do what we want to do. Okay. I don't, you know what I mean? It was like, like, I don't care to fit inside a box of, okay, this sounds like this person. It's just, let's just make music that we enjoy, that Mark and I enjoy. And that's what we've really tried to do with this. Let's talk about the songs a little bit more specifically then, you know, Great. like I said, Nas kind of like the lead single off of it. What was, I guess, why did you put that song out? Or like, why do you think you're pushing that one a little bit more over the other ones? Okay, so it's not that, we like that song any more than the other ones it's Mm -hmm. more so the fact that when we so we got connected recently or last summer I would say with a an an individual from the Toronto area his name's Jesse Reed amazing guy Mm -hmm. and he has a business called Dropout Entertainment and we reached out to him and together we kind of collaborated on this project to film a music video Mm -hmm. we had done one music video solo in the past ourselves and we thought this is great but like it's we kind of need some help here if we're going to do it again because we have all these great ideas and all this fun stuff we want to do so Jesse got together with us and we looked at the four songs that we had and we knew the uh, like two of the other ones we were going to do Lakeside, which we really enjoy. However, it features an artist who lives in Texas. Shout out to oh, Brent Couch. I see. Yeah, he's awesome. But we were like, dude, we'd love to do a music video, but it would be unfair to not do it with him. Maybe right. one day we'll we'll be able to get him here when um, you know, travel restrict like travels allowed and it's normal to do. Right. So that we're like, we'll put that one on hold. And then the other one we were gonna do was fresh, but Mark and I had this really great concept for fresh that we thought, oh, we're gonna tell this great story and kind of go along with the lyrics and what the song means. But in order to do that, we knew we wanted to film at our cottage and we wanted to have our, our whole group of friends there. Like we knew we wanted to have 30, 35, 40 people there, which again, last summer was kind of frowned upon here yeah. in Toronto. Yeah. So we thought, okay, Naw is a great one because we can essentially do it with just the three of us. Mm-hmm. and we can still tell a little bit of a story with it it's kind of abstract you got to watch it a few times and kind of think about what's being said and what you're seeing and kind of draw some some points yourself but that was the reason why we decided to go with that one and then obviously having the video already done when we're getting ready to launch we're like well this has got to be the one that we lead with because we're happy with the video and it looks really cool and we thought that'd be really great for branding and then maybe in early next year we'll be able to film videos for some of the other ones and we've already got like another three or four songs that we're working on too so there's lots in the hopper but that was the main driving force for why we decided to kind of lead with nah gotcha and i know you sent it to me directly but i can't recall is it out on streaming services right now or is it going to come out with the ep yeah no so nah is coming out december 20th okay yeah so that'll hit your streaming platforms as a single first and the video will go live on youtube and then I think Lakeside is going to come out mid-January as a single as well. We're trying to talk to Red Couch and see if he's available to do some sort of cross-promo mm-hmm. in some way. And then the EP is coming out February 1st. So it's all kind of simultaneously two singles, the rest of them come out, and then it's all together. I'm curious yeah. to you now to ask you about that collaboration, working with Red Couch. And I think a lot of artists, too, globally have just had to adjust to this lifestyle of collaborating virtually so what was that whole experience like yeah so through through our podcast what we do is is review three different indie songs per episode 
And we try to group them together into similar genres so that if someone's listening and they like rock, you've got three indie rock songs to listen to. Mark and I spend like 30, 40 minutes kind of just talking and telling stories. And then we review these songs and we keep them all on our website. Mm-hmm. One of the, I, I want to say it was like episode three or four, somehow Red Couch had submitted a song to us and we put it on our podcast and we reviewed it and we just immediately kind of fell for his vocal tone. Like it, it, he just has such a unique and cool voice and I've been following him ever since. And so when we started doing our music and putting it together more, we just thought, you know, who'd be really cool on this song would be Bread Couch. Yeah. Like I love his voice. He's, he's just so unique. It's so cool. So I had reached out to him and I said, Hey, we're working on a track. Are you interested? Basically free reign, like do whatever you want, write whatever you want. Like, right. I just, I love what you do. So go nuts with it. So I sent him the the track at, in kind of like a mix, like half done state and said, have at it. And he sent, he sent me back his chorus. He wrote the chorus hook for it. And then he had a little rap part in the second verse. And I was just immediately like, oh yeah, this is perfect. <laughs> Love it. So it was super, super easy working with him. He's great. And, um, and really quick, like, I feel like he did it in like a week. He just wrote it, recorded it, sent it to us. And we we're like, perfect. This is exactly what I wanted. Mm, that's awesome. But yeah. It's very cool that we can even do that, right? Like collaborate with artists that are a thousand miles away. It's super neat. It is really, really cool. And like you mentioned, I love how from your podcast, you essentially have this plethora of musicians to choose from if you ever wanted to do something like this again, you know? Totally, totally. And that's in the works. Like we've we've spoken with numerous other artists that we've kind of like after they're on our podcast, we start to follow their journey and we keep in touch and we say, hey, if you have new music, let us know. We'll put it like mm-hmm. we'll promote it if we can. And yeah, we've got tons, like over 60 artists that are just really, really good. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's a huge, it's a great network to have. And it's 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 awesome in that case. And I've spoken to some of them about featuring on some of our music and We've started working with um, Forrest Dell. He's excellent, excellent um, voice, incredible singer, much better than me. We started working with him on a track and we've got a few other people that we're interested to. So it's, yeah, it's lots of fun nowadays. <laughs> I can just send the stems to them and they can do their thing and send it back to me and away we go. Kind of thinking on like a bigger scale and this might, no offense to anybody in your immediate network, but I'm curious to ask you, do you have any like dream collaborations? Dream collaborations, not, I mean, everybody in, in that we've met through the podcast is, would be super, super cool to collab with our dream to uh, collaborators. And I'm going to say dream as like a more, more realistic than saying like, (laughs) oh, I want a song with, you know, like Kanye West, probably not (laughs) going to happen, but there is a group that we actually had on our podcast. We've been huge fans of them forever. They're called No Suits. Mm-hmm. brilliant brilliant artists this group of guys from I believe they're like LA or California somewhere like that and they do they actually we've included them as a influence for our style of music because they were one of the first groups that I had ever heard that had done your kind of traditional live music like real guitar real bass mm-hmm. but with your hip-hop vocals and mm-hmm. as soon as we learned about them and we started listening to their music it was like well I love rap. I lo- I grew up on on hip hop and rap. 
and playing guitar and playing your classic rock. So it was just like a natural blend after learning about them being like, well, that's kind of the, we're not copying, but that's the route that we want to go. So, yeah, I mean, if we could do a song with them, that would be, (laughs) that'd be a dream collab for me and Mark. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we'll see. Maybe if we get like a little better, maybe they'd consider doing it with us, but they're, (laughs) I figure they're, they're a couple leagues ahead of us. Like they're, they're very, very talented. That's awesome. That's good though, that you're kind of getting that exposure too. like you're meeting these other artists that seem like have been in the game a little bit longer. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I'm only, I've been playing guitar my whole life. Like since I was super young, piano got into guitar at like 10, 11, but recording and producing, I really only started in 2019, like the end of 2019. And I've taken it all on by myself. We do everything solo. We've had a little bit of help with some mixing stuff, but Mm -hmm. The actual recording and songwriting process i'm very very new to so mm-hmm. still learning still watching youtube videos on the daily learning how to get better at it and you know no suits is a couple of years ahead of us so mm-hmm. what we'll would you there. say you've really taken away from i would estimate those two years now like you said 2019 when you really started getting into it how would you say your producing skills and mixing and all that stuff has really improved there's numerous parts to it one is is your actual technical, like the gear that you have, the hardware and gear, which makes a big difference. You, you certainly don't need to have top of the line gear to make high quality music nowadays. But I think if, you, if you're using lower end gear, then you have to have the skills to make it sound high end. Mm. Um, I then realized like, I don't quite have the skills yet. So I, do, I did invest in some higher end equipment that makes it a lot easier for me to record. Right. So that helps a lot, but also just like knowledge and practice. It really is a practice thing. So it's, mm-hmm. it's every time you make a song, you learn little production tricks. You learn little, like your, your ears get slightly better at picking out different frequencies and carving high ends versus low ends on certain instruments. And you just, it's all just practice and you mm-hmm. get so, so much better. And the first few really didn't know what I was doing, put it together. Great. This sounds cool. Put it out there. And then you you know, maybe it sounded good on my headphones. Then I go in my car to listen to it. And I'm like, wow, this sounds terrible. What <laughs> happened? Yeah, yeah. And so being able to translate from across devices is, is very, very hard. You can make mm-hmm. a song that sounds great to in your studio headphones or your studio monitors. And then when you go and you play it on an iPhone, it sounds like trash. Mm-hmm. So being able to translate across devices just really requires a good mix. And mm-hmm. so I've gotten much, much better at that. Whereas even the latest single that we put out on Spotify last year, it was called Sweet Little Something, kind of like your typical rock pop style song. Mm -hmm. That was the first one that I did where I was like, oh, this one actually sounds decent across platforms. Like it always kind of sounds the same. It was the first like half decent mix that I made. Then it was like, okay, well, I'm not going to just put another song out three months from now. I'm going to really, really, really take my time Mm -hmm. and just constantly tweak the next stuff until I feel like, it's perfect or or close to perfect. I'm still not happy with the four songs that we're putting out. I, I don't think they're perfect, but they're good enough for me to be like, let's move on so that I can practice with other stuff. And they sound good enough in my ears. <laughs> right, right, right. We're talking about just being good enough here. <laughs> yeah, it's the, yeah, that's it, right? It's it's good enough to be proud battle. of it. Yeah, it's it's what's the totally. what's the expression? It's not a it's not a sprint or no, it's not a marathon. It's a marathon. It's a, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. For sure. For sure. And I mean, even top-notch recorders and producers, you know, you, you're never done. You never are like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's it. 
it's perfect. You could always tweak it a little bit, but at some point you have to say, this is as good as this song's going to get. Let's put it out into the world and move on. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we're at now. We're, we think these four songs we're proud of, we're happy, we like them. Let's put them out there. And then the next stuff that's coming out after that will be hopefully even better. I'm wondering now too, was it like you just had these four songs and you were just like, okay, we're going to put these out. Like it wasn't like a scenario where you recorded mastered wrote like a bunch and then scaled it down yes and no so mark and i when like i said when we do get together we'll record a ton like Mm -hmm. we will just go all right let's make a song and then we'll just really quickly in like an hour go wow we like this this is cool didn't write anything to it we just record the instruments and then maybe we'll just go okay now let's do a podcast and then when we're done we'll go wow let's record another song let's just jam a little bit and see what happens Mm -hmm. and so then i save all of those on my computer i have like 20 25 songs maybe that are really just half-baked ideas Mm -hmm. and then i'll sit down and go okay now it's time to put some lyrics on stuff so what do i like and i'll start looking through the songs that we've done and go oh i really like this one and i'll get creative that night and i'll write lyrics record kind of start pushing like that song a little bit further into its development and then we got to the point where we had four that we thought sounded really good. And we're like, yeah, we like these four. Should we do five? Should we do four? Should we do like, what? We're like, you know, let's just stick with four and go with these four. And then in the background, like I've got another four, another five that are kind of half-baked right now. So, you know, we could have done a six song EP. We could have done seven or eight if we wanted to. It just would have extended the amount of time that it took to actually launch it. So we thought four is manageable. Let's do four. And then the next one, maybe we'll do a, a single after that. And then we'll work on putting another five together or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it's very random. <laughs> I think that's a pattern we're seeing more of, though, especially with the pandemic and quarantine. I think artists just kind of are adopting this trend of just putting stuff out when they want to, not when they're expected to. Definitely. It's, it dep- I think it depends where you're at in your career. Mm-hmm. So if you're like a really established musician, then I feel like you can afford to take your time and, and make something that you're that's really polished, that you really like. You can make a big up, like even Adele, right? She hasn't put out music in like four or five years. Mm-hmm. And she just launched this album and it's huge and it's great. And there's a ton of music on there. And that probably took her a long time to do because she, she really wanted to make it perfect. Mm-hmm. But if you're an artist or you're an indie artist and you really want to get exposure and get out there and keep making music, we've learned even from some of the people in our network that you're better off doing kind of singles and smaller projects because each single that you release has an opportunity to get on playlists and to Mm. get seen and to get heard and to give you exposure. And so if you just dump an album out there, you've got one chance of that album kind of blowing up per se. Whereas Mm -hmm. if you do three singles and then an album, each time you do a single, you've got a chance. Mm -hmm. So that was our idea. We were going to launch it as a four song EP first. And then we were like, you know what, let's do two singles and then the EP as it gives us more of an opportunity for promo, gives us more of an opportunity to get on Spotify playlists, Mm -hmm. you know, to get stuck in the algorithm and all that good stuff. So Mm -hmm. had you seen that happen with any of your previous singles? Not really. Like we did our one um, sweet little something. And I think one of our other ones did fairly well on Spotify where it just, and again, not even the, the greatest quality of music, but it just got into a couple of weird playlists. And then all of a sudden you got 10,000 streams and you're like, oh, yeah. okay, that was cool. That kind of came out of nowhere. And even with Sweet Little Something, like we didn't do anything. We didn't promote it on Instagram. We didn't have a network. We didn't get on podcasts. We just kind of 
uploaded it to Spotify and we're like, cool, let's move on. And then that one did okay. And it was like, all right, well, maybe if we take some time and we actually like talk to people and engage with people and try to promote it a little bit, then maybe it'll do a bit better, which will give us some more momentum for the next stuff. So that's the idea. That's why we're here today. Or I'm exactly. Here today. Exactly. Yeah. Meet new people, get in front of a new audience. It's lots of fun. <laughs> Exactly. I love exchanging at audiences. It's great. Mm-hmm. What else could you tell us about the EP that you feel like we haven't touched upon yet? Like there's two other tracks, Fresh and Take the Dive, that we haven't even attacked mm-hmm. at all. Like what what do you think people can really take away from this? Like this is this is your first EP as a group. So it's kind of yeah. a big stamp on the resume. Yeah, it's um, you know, with, with everything that we do, we try to be like as authentic as possible. So there's a lot of personal just struggles that are kind of very relatable in in those songs. And I think it's very simple lyrics. Like I didn't go overly complicated with things with a lot of crazy metaphors and crazy, like, what is the meaning of this song? It was just like really, really simple. Like Fresh is about you've met a girl or or a significant other that you're really interested in and they just make you want to look fresh. And everything is all just about like, how do I look? better for this person how do I feel better for this person and that was fresh you know and it's just there's nothing there's no hidden meanings to it take the dive was kind of the opposite it was the sense of like I'm going after this person that I'm really really interested in how do I convince them to take the dive on me how do I get them to be interested and just fall for me because I've already fallen for them Mm. and you know these they're kind of really relatable and there's no real hidden meanings in there Lakeside is very much just, it talks about our cottage a lot. It's just more so about like (laughs) sitting by a lake and how cool it feels to just be lakeside. And like, wouldn't it be nice if you could live that life all the time? Oh, totally. And then Na is our more controversial one where it's like kind of a taking a stand against the way society is going with your like fakeness that you see on social media and like Mm -hmm. people just pretending to be somebody else to try and get clicks or likes or whatever. And we always said, we're not really interested in that. Like the Hearst brothers are what they are. What you see on YouTube, Instagram, like that's us. If you meet us in real life, that's us. That you, (laughs) you, what you see is what you get. And we refuse to be any different. We are wild and we are crazy. (laughs) We do like outlandish stuff, but like, that's just genuinely who we are. I was just going to say that because I'm thinking I'm envisioning the album artwork too for the EP, which we haven't even mentioned the name, by the way. It's called Groove Town. Um, Groove Town. That's that's a fuck of a name. I love that. (laughs) What was the inspiration (laughs) behind that? Mm, well, okay, so I'll, t- I'll, I'll be honest with you. So we met a um, through our podcast, we had a, a special guest on who's like, one of the coolest guys that I've spoken with His, he goes by Stony McBlaze. Oh, he's, boy. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's actually quite famous on TikTok. He's okay. like a snowboarder dude. He has like super long hair and he always wears tie dye and stuff. And he just does these like reviews and he does commentary on stuff. And he has this really like, ridiculous California accent he does really well on TikTok and so we had him on the podcast and he was hilarious and then he really likes music too so he said hey Stoney we we don't know what to call our our EP got any Mm. ideas and he's like send me the music we sent it to him and he goes how about Groove Town Mm. immediately Mark and I were like that's it because (laughs) we grew up in Georgetown which is commonly called G-Town and we're like Groove Town is another G Town. We're like, perfect. That's it. That's awesome. Yeah. So wow. Stony McBlaze named our album and we loved it. <laughs> and we're like, that's perfect. 
Oh my god, I hope he gets credits <laughs> somewhere on there. <laughs> you know, he does. He does. Yeah, yeah, we'll be shouting him out. <laughs> That's for awesome. sure. For what sure, about yeah. the actual like album artwork yeah. itself? Like, what did you guys think of for that concept? <laughs> it's um, it honestly like that's just another one of those ridiculous things that Mark mm-hmm. and I and our drummer kind of put together. I want to say two summers ago when we started making music, we were like, oh, we got to take some photos so that we have some stuff for Instagram and we have some stuff and we're like, what should we do? Yep. And we have these like, we just have ridiculous ideas. And at our cottage, we have a huge costume box of stuff. And we're like, so we took all these crazy photos throughout just, you know, drinking beers and laughing our heads off thinking, oh, this, you know, it'd be funny if we did this. And Mm -hmm. so one of them was, you know, it'd be hilarious. Let's put on all our like high vise gear and all our like lumberjack stuff. Because I used to, I used to work in the, in the tree industry. So we're like, right. oh, I've got all this stuff. And, and then I was like, maybe I'll be splitting a thing of wood, but instead <laughs> of an ax, I'm holding my guitar. Right. And then we just, yeah, we just set up a camera and took a bunch of shots and a few of them turned out hilarious. And it was a no brainer. It was like, well, that's an album cover one it's, day. Yeah. It's sure enough. So, oh my God. It's so wacky. That's how I would describe it. <laughs> I, and that was it too. It was like, well, it's authentic because that's us. Like we genuinely would do that anytime. It's not just for social media or whatever. It's like, yo, that's hilarious. Let's do something fun. But also it's, it's eye-catching too, which I think is neat. Is like, you know, we want to try and be a little bit different. I, I like, I hate when you see an album cover and it's just mm-hmm. really, really plain and boring. Mm-hmm. You're like, eh, nothing yeah. much to this. But this one is a photo, <laughs> which people don't really use too, too often. It's not edited. It's not photoshopped. It oh, is no like way. that's the photo. All I did was put our band logo and the title at the bottom. That's it. That's awesome. And yeah, like you said, you kind of got to stand out these days. You got to do something that's going to catch people's attention. For sure. For sure. You know, maybe somebody sees it and is like, oh, that's hilarious. Let me listen <laughs> to their music. And then they like it. So great. There you go. There. It's all about the eye candy, my friend. <laughs> it's important. <laughs> well john thank you so much for doing this this has been great before i let you go and wrap this up why don't you let people know where they can find hearst brothers you know listen to your music check out your stuff that you mm. got going on and all that all the good things you guys are doing yeah oh, uh, thank you so much um so if you want to check out our website we're the so and hearst is h IRST, that's the right way to spell it. And if you look at us on Instagram, we've got Hearst underscore brothers underscore music, which is just a really small account because we haven't done any work there. But then Hearst underscore brothers underscore podcast, mm-hmm. um, that's where you'll find all of our ridiculous podcast clips. And we do like a little bit of promo there because we have a bigger audience. Spotify, Apple Music, Hearst Brothers, again, our first single, Nah, is coming out on December 20th. Mm-hmm. Check us out on YouTube too because the music video is pretty funny. And then, yeah, come February 1st, the full EP will be out. That's basically it. That's that's plugging the stuff. That's all I've got. Good plug. (laughs) Awesome, man. Well, thank Thank you you. again for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. This was this was really fun. So at the time we're recording this, it hasn't even been a full 24 hours you could say since the weekend's latest album just came out and it's debuted like number one on the global spotify charts a couple of the songs are definitely up there i think like in the top 20 or something like that so it's kind of insane i mean we're kind of familiar with the weekend's impact just based off of his last album 
but this album is like a whole other dimension. And here to talk about it with me, I have the one and only Mr. Nick Alley again, who I've had on the podcast before. So welcome back to Nick. Hey. <laughs> exactly. Stop. Hey. Stop. And then we also have Miss Lovely Jen Gordon over here, who's a first timer to on rotation. So Jen, welcome. Thank you for having me. Sup. <laughs> Sup. I really don't know how to approach this album first off, because it's just when I listened to it, it was just like, is the weekend dying? Or is he like predicting death? I don't know if you guys got that. But with this whole like Dawn FM thing, like he basically is creating this like own radio station platform based just looking off the title itself. But then when you listen to like what he's singing about and talking about and even like the album cover, I'm like, okay, is he like trying to tell us something? You know, that's just like on first impression. So please feel free to (laughs) fill in the gaps. I can fill you in. So I love The weekend in general. So like was super excited for when he announced it right off the bat. And like I went digging a little bit and the whole like point of the album is to be like a sense of what you'd hear if you were in like the purgatory range of like dying, like you were just saying, Mm. and like waiting to find out like the fate of whatever. This is the music that he's like, okay, I'm in like a a mushed up state where I'm like, what am I even listening to? Or like, you know what I mean? And I find that so funky as like a concept of just like you're listening to the radio station of basically your mindless mind just floating and waiting for purgatory of just whatever's happening to you. I I think it's funky. I I can go on to things, but (laughs) yeah, I think that's the the direction that he was going for. I'm just saying direction. I don't know. Like if I was an artist, I would never have thought to have done that. So I think that just shows how smart he is. And like, even marketing wise, if you were to do like something like his music videos, I feel like they all kind of could like go with each other. If that makes sense. Like I try to see like the aesthetic of things. Mm -hmm. And I think music videos play a huge role in how people are playing and listening to the music so they can envision it, how it's happening. So I hope he puts Mm -hmm. out like a series of more music videos for it. Mm -hmm. I think he only has two. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he did that for his last album, actually. Like all of the videos he put out were like part of the same story, like had the same character and things like that. And something else I want to mention to you early on is like the evolution of the weekend as an artist. And we kind of touched upon this before we started recording is that this is so far from where he came. Like he came from like mixtape culture. He was pretty well like known in the underground realm. And then he like has a couple albums that break out like Beauty Behind the Madness and like Starboy and like he's made this shift to like pop global stardom it's just it's crazy like he's just but he's still like in his very much own lane as we've kind of mentioned too with the direction on Don FM. No I I fully uh, I was thinking about that uh, after a few listens of the album in general because it's it's been interesting just seeing like you know, he still is able to like mesh around with a bunch of different genres. And like you said, he's evolved a lot, but like he's never lost that like vibe of what he was ever going for, right? Like he's always had that like mysterious kind of uh, persona around him, mm. darkness, ideas of like drugs, fame, addiction, all these like crazy things like rock star, rap stars, all of these things that they have. But I feel like this has been a penultimate. I don't know if penultimate's the word, but like this specific album has been such a, it's a feat for me to see him get to this level in his career. I looked back too at his discography and I think this is technically his fifth like studio album because Trilogy was like a collection of his three mixtapes that he like first put out. 
and then he has like a couple other projects i think here or there that like are eps or other mixtapes or something like that so you can make the argument like every project is like properly researched produced organized whatever but like a proper like studio album is different than like a mixtape or an ep or something like this is something that he obviously put a lot of work and dedication into oh yeah and I just love that he created something as opposed, like it, he's very consistent with that. Whenever he develops a, like a persona or whatever the vibe is for each album, he's always very consistent on the artistry, the imagery that goes along with it. And I think it shows just as a pop star now, I think he's at, I think it's 78 million monthly listeners on Spotify, which is like in the I top he, echelon. Of, I think he like, just artists. topped 80 like today. Yeah. And like only like so many artists have done it. He's moving on to stadiums too now. Like he just switches from arenas to stadiums, which is a huge monumental step in an artist's career. So like, it's great that like, I'm loving all these things and to be so consistent with albums of just like putting hits after hits. Like he's got such a huge discography now. And Mm -hmm. it's so great to see like so much of it evolve over time. Like you're saying. I think every album is better displayed, I guess, if you say in a concert sense. So I'm really, because he was supposed to play TD and I'm really glad he's moving up to a bigger stadium just because I feel like what he's doing now with this album and like the vision he's kind of going for fits better in a stadium sense. Mm, Yeah. You know, so I can like see him having like in a stadium size, obviously the stage is bigger, but like having it split and having like stories to tell in like um, intermissions or what's not the word, not intermissions. What am I trying to think of? Not is it interludes? I guess. Yeah, I would say an interlude. Yeah. Like in between, like while he's getting ready. Yeah, like yeah. having stories to tell. Yeah, like, like in- the transitions. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that'd be sick if he did that. He might, but that'd yeah. be sick. Well, it's funny, like thinking about those exact where, like I said, transitions. This album's transitions. Literally, my note says transitions on fleek. It's mm-hmm. like every single song goes into the next. <laughs> like it blends. Like I. I fucking love when albums do that. And I think we're seeing that become more of a trend and like more of the more of music that's released recently. And I just the weekend, like again, he just right like nail on the head. It was just so good at these transitions. Oh, 100 percent And like I think you can tell, like, obviously, if you for those who haven't listened, it's very again 80s inspired, which he was already going into, right? But like it's even more into that, like listening to like deep dark club music when you're like going into like the basement type of party and like it's almost like vaporwave at some mm. points and it's so crazy to me because he has like such a myriad of different like people over the years like all these crazy like dark performer producers and now he's working with like max martin swedish house mafia calvin harris like all these people who are just like when normally i mean max martin is max martin but like just like the magic that they've created over time is just absolutely phenomenal and like the fact that they can work together and know the vision that they're creating by able to do transitions like that i mean there's like said nobody else can do it like him have you seen those like edits on youtube where it's like you're at a party and you're in the bathroom kissing someone yeah (laughs) playing in the background but and then they'll like make it like slow and like loud bumping that's kind of how i feel with some of his Mm. songs like that kind of to like put that kind of like experience in perspective that's kind of what i get another one of my notes literally says he'll have us singing dancing and crying at the same time Mm, as every album should be i like the (laughs) combo i'm like i love when they have like they're happy like let's go clubbing and then like Mm -hmm. you just want to like stare into the abyss and cry (laughs) yep like i think every album needs that 
Uh, let's get into like some of the tracks specifically. I think for me, some of the ones that like stood out in terms of like the theme of this being, you know, your purgatory playlist, as we'll call it, Out of Time, which kind of depicts like this whole thing about you're almost out of time. Like this narrator comes on and is like, but don't worry, we're going to like serenade you and you're going to be fine and blah, blah, blah. And like, mm-hmm. it's it's such a weird thing. And another like a couple other ones too, like I just want to throw out and I'll get you guys' thoughts on them too. Every Angel is Terrifying. <laughs> Amazing. I thought that was so cool. And then the end, the end track, Phantom Regret, too, also just perfectly, like, sums it all up. So that's where I'm going to start. I'm going to open up the floor now and let you guys chime in wherever you want. Yeah. Every track on there, there's always a little something, like, I go back and discover, like, oh, I like this a little bit more, or, like, see that there's whatever. But, you know, I think, like, just those opening tracks, there's a few of those, like, running tracks, like, you're just saying, like, Dawn FM starts the album, but it's more of, like, almost like an interlude, just, like, getting you ready, almost like a skit same thing Jim carries all over the place with those transitions too just throughout the entire album which I think is so cool because like of all people Jim Carrey of course why wouldn't you <laughs> I think uh so Gasoline starts off like the first real record of like or the first real track off the record I should say and like mm-hmm. right from the get-go you're like what the f- is this actually his voice <laughs> like his voice is mm. so deep compared to what we're used to from the weekend which and it's just like it gets you like I love it. it's like it's 5 a.m like type of uh repeated lyricism in that it's super dark and I just like love that it, it still has a little bit of like the regular weekend in it at the chorus part but it's just like that's where like I'm like okay this is gonna be a, a wild ride <laughs> right from there I still think that my favorite's out of time I, I love so another thing like so are you guys familiar with like city pop at all little bit I think so that's like the whole emphasis of that song is a sampled uh, version of the track. Um, I don't have it off the top of my head, but it's a sample. And it's city pop is generally like derived from like Japanese type of style where like you're literally walking through mm. a city and that's what they envision as the type of music that you'd play while you're like out and about. And I'm like, oh, this is like perfect for like mm. dark night. Like I'm, it might be raining. I'm with my significant other just walking mm-hmm. through the streets, like shopping like it's so like great and like that's definitely one of my top three tracks by the way it's so funny you mentioned that because I was listening to the album last night when I was walking from the train to my apartment from work and I think it was how do I make you love me that came on and I just started like strutting like I kid you not I was like this is strutting music like exactly Mm -hmm. like what Nick you're saying like walking around when it's dark out like I agree with like all that I'm glad you brought that up like it really builds that aesthetic and I think the weekend is to me still like this enigma of this person that like Loki doesn't even exist I'm just like who even is the weekend he's not real he's just a robot making music like I was watching a Super Bowl performance last year and I was like (laughs) yeah I think the first half of the album is your like like we were saying, like those bangers, like let's go, like rage for the evening, like mm. great. And then once you hit that out of time, you're like, okay, we're slowing it down a little bit. We're coming mm-hmm. back from the bar, like the club, whatever. And we're like getting into like the zone. In addition to gasoline and out of time, I gotta say less than zero just blows me away. Like it is yeah. so good. <laughs> I, first of all, before I even get into less than zero, like just the rollout for the album too. I don't know if you guys followed it, but like, holy crap, like how great was it? Just like announced it mm. on Monday, drops it on Friday. And like, he has this cool Amazon event and less than zero is the last song that he plays. And it's just like uproarious. Like it's such a pop song for the weekend. It's crazy <laughs> to me, but 
I could see it like on radio stations for the summer. I could see mm-hmm. it at weddings. I could see it everywhere. And it just like fills me with so much joy. And I haven't heard a song yeah. like that in a while. I remember listening to it earlier today and I kind of like paused. I don't know if it was because I had nothing else to do and I was just sitting at that point and listening. But I think a lot of times like you think of an album having that moment where it just like everything stops and you're like this is the song that's like the climax or the one that like if you were to tell people what represents the whole album it's this one and I think less than zero based off what you said Nick could probably be that song yes basically that's what I was getting at I I agree in the pivotal point of it I think it's a great way to end the album sonically and then like you said you have the phantom regret by Jim who just really nails the emphasis of what the whole concept of the album is which it also rhymes crazy it like really screws me out of my head but like it's just so happy for the weekend dude and he's never been like that for so long or not not been like that he's obviously played with like certain songs that are like popier but this is like full-on let's go pop like that bridge are you kidding me <laughs> that bridge just soars it's crazy you know they're so much better at describing music than i am I'm like oh i like this song because i like <laughs> I like the sounds <laughs> you guys are like so like expressive you were like this part of the song like had me here and they got you you're better at it <laughs> jen's like i don't want to compete with these well, that's what I mean. about what you, you're doing. no i i like hearing how you guys describe it because i feel like it changes the way that i go listen to it afterwards mm-hmm. you know i'm like yeah. oh, they're right so i don't know well, there's something else to that Nick brought up that I also kind of caught with this pattern of, um, you know, like the album kind of splits at one point. I marked it as like, after Here We Go Again with Tyler, the creator it starts to like slow down or it like changes like a whole dynamic. The energy just kind of darkens a little bit, but also slows down. But like also <laughs> there was a couple of tracks where I feel like it was almost like a call and answer in a way because I remember listening to some of them and being like this sounds like an earlier track or like the way like specific things on it reminded me of an earlier track and I like went back and listened to some so I'm like there's kind of like these couplets at least what I saw like sonically that is Mm. and I thought like don't break my heart and how do I make you love me and then also this other track and I heard you're married kind of also reminded me of out of time or sounded like similar I think it was like something with like Mm. the guitars or like the drums or some some specific instrument that was like these songs sound like they go together i don't know there's something about it i was like i feel like these are like intertwined somehow so call me crazy or yeah. just completely disagree with me or like entertain the idea whatever you want <laughs> <laughs> no i was i was saying that um i mean there's producers all over it. i mean they're very similar like we were talking about but i just find it funny that like you're saying like it sounds like it all meshes in together despite it not also being the same if that is what you're getting (laughs) yeah exactly Um, (laughs) um, I think that's also what I find funny about that track specifically is it's the lone Calvin Harris production track on the album with Lil Wayne and The Weeknd which is like an anomaly like if you told me they would all be on a track together in like 2011 like I'd be like what the fuck Mm -hmm. yeah now it's like we're in 2022 I feel like anything musically um, in this year, everyone's like, like back then would be like, that could never happen. But now we're like, yep. I personally never thought I, I would it. see Jim Carrey as part of an album. <laughs> Maybe that's-, that's true. Yeah, seriously. You know, I think it gives me, I think it really pays homage to, I mean, Michael Jackson more than it already has been like his entire career. He's just doing it in his own deep, dark way. But 
you know, mm. it's got a lot of different influences on the, the album. So I just, I, I, I love it. I, I can't say enough nice things about <laughs> it. For a pop record to do what he's doing mm. is just mind boggling to me. Cause like he didn't have to, like it was already gonna be tough to come back from after hours, but it was, mm. it, he really just jumped full into the eighties and almost vaporwave type of sound. You might just, say like, he's donning a new era. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I had I had that written down as a potential title for the written review, so I might have a little bit prepared for that. But you know, just had to. He just dropped a teaser on everybody. He was like, "Go check out my blog." (laughs) I have to. I have to. Mm -hmm. Nick, that's actually. I don't. Have you ever? Has he ever said directly that Michael Jackson was an influence? I feel like that's somewhere. It's pretty heavily implied. I think if you go back to trilogy, actually, he does a awesome crazy cover of dirty diana which is like the first inkling mm. of like his michael jackson homage and then obviously once he like hits like pop stratosphere he's doing like can't feel my face i think is like pretty spot on michael jackson yeah. you know i feel it coming even blinding lights i'm trying to like there's always a little bit something in it you know just a little yeah. bit but he's always been doing his own little mesh of let's add a little bit r&b let's add a little bit more rap he always I, I find it that he has a lot of different 80s types of influence especially for michael jackson in his heyday so and i think this album specifically is just michael jackson depeche mode daft punk like mm. all over the place i feel like i need to listen more in depth to be honest because i think like when i first listened to an album i just listened to it just to like check it out but i haven't gone around to like actually listening to it a second time and just being like okay you know i'm not as musically attentive the first time around listening to an album just because again like I think I'm just trying to like listen to it see what the overall vibe is and then give it a second time to like absorb what he's trying to say in the song and then in what met like again not like message but yeah the like lyrical content is definitely not stuff we're unfamiliar with with The weekend. it is a lot about like love and loss and like complicated relationships and like as we said like the whole theme is kind of being on your deathbed and like on your way out but like Mm -hmm. you might still have some unresolved things to take care of so now's kind of the time to like work through them yeah (laughs) yep just in general i think it's uh it was a risky project because it's not i don't think it's going to be for everybody i've been seeing some things on tiktok of people being like i don't like it because they like don't see him in that kind of like 80s like vibe I think people still wanted him to stay like in that R&B kind of style but I think he's killing it with right. one, honestly but that's just like a personal opinion you can't expect everyone to like it but I think it's great. right I mean you're damned if you stay in the same genre slash change your whole life mm-hmm. and you're also damned if you switch it up so like you might as well fucking just do whatever you're gonna do I agree. You know? so and he is like an artist that's gonna do that regardless because he he just kicks ass and takes names. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Truly. There's not anyone doing it like him. And if anything, people are trying to copy him. I mean, After Hours just blew up the whole 80s revival this decade. So mm-hmm. you can see a bunch of different types of music and whatnot. So we'll see what happens the, the rest of the decade. I'd love to see him continuing influencing into the rest of the decade and see what he can do. So yeah totally well nick and jen thank you so much for coming on and doing this i appreciate you sharing your in-depth and your overviews i'll say because we got kind of both of this album yes thank you appreciate you (laughs) remember i was your hero yeah i'd weigh a hundred
And that's the rotated review. Want to join me for the next review? Send in your suggestions to the onrotation podcast at gmail.com. You can also connect with me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Make sure you hit that follow button while you're at it. To read this review fully, see my blog, or listen to past episodes, log on to onrotationpodcast.wordpress.com. And now it's time to take a look at what popped this week in news. Brazilian samba singer Elsa Soares has died at 91 from natural causes. In 1999, the singer won the title of Singer of the Millennium in a BBC London competition. Soares' family said that she will live on forever in their hearts, through her fans, and in the history of music. Featuring a packed lineup of punk rock artists, the When We Were Young Festival is scheduled for October 22nd at the Las Vegas Festival Grounds. Headliners include My Chemical Romance and Paramore, with other notable acts being Avril Lavigne, The All-American Rejects, Jimmy Eat World, and Pierce the Veil. Tickets are on sale now. And We Don't Talk About Bruno from the Disney movie Encanto has peaked at number 4 on the Billboard Hot 100. This is the highest peaking Disney song since Vanessa Williams' version of Colors of the Wind from Pocahontas peaked at the same spot in 1995. The video for We Don't Talk About Bruno has surpassed 1 million views on YouTube. That's going to do it for this episode. Feel free to tune in next time when we rotate through a whole new slew of topics. In the meantime, keep it real, y'all. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com style.